For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson, and we are at that middle of the week point where we talk a little bit about what we've seen, and we're talking, I'm going to introduce you to the Houston Texans too in the second half of this, but I thought a good jumping off point was Pro Football Focus put out their weekly offensive line rankings, and the Steelers fell from 26 to 28, uh, neither of which is great. But there's some notes here, and then I have some more thoughts on that, and then I want to tell you about the Texans, too. So, here are their notes, and I'll give you mine on top of that. But Dan Moore Jr. is allowed a pressure on 15.3% of his dropbacks, which is the third highest rate among all NFL offensive tackles. Not good. He's also let up 18 total pressures, tied for most amongst tackles. His matchups have been Brutal. I get that, but he's been brutal too. And I that that adds up to me. The Steelers offensive line has consistently but has been consistently below average so far this season. Pittsburgh's unit ranked 26th, 25th, and 25th in pass blocking efficiency in the first three weeks of the season. Again, not good. Two of those were brutal tests, and you throw in Max Crosby, but still not good enough. Best player was is Isaac, you know. The, the former Philadelphia Eagle played his best game since he joined the Steelers. Siamalu's 77.8 overall grade ranked fifth amongst all guards in week three. And I think I told you that. I thought the Steelers had a very good guard day against the Raiders. So, a couple things. Is it time for this move? And the obvious move is put the first round pick in at left tackle, get Dan Moore the heck out of there. Okay, I don't think that's a terrible suggestion. His pass blocking, Jones, sure seems to need a lot of work. Uh, definitely does. Um, we haven't seen it lately. Where's he at? You know, it's been a month since I've seen him pass block, basically. But boy, he would sure help in the run game. That I know for sure. And why not get him involved already? But there's a step two to this. Mason Cole has really hurt the team, too. And... Deep down, I think James Daniels is best at center, and he's played a lot there in his career and in college. He's shorter. He's athletic. I'm not saying he's Jason Kelsey, but he's closer to that than he is a mashing right guard. So what if you, and I'm not even saying I would do it, but if you took Cole out of the lineup, put Daniels at center, put Jones at left tackle, and then your right guard is probably Herbig, but maybe more Dan Moore, who I think would be a better guard than tackle. But that might be asking a lot out of him, considering he has him, you know, midseason turn into a guard. But what if you made two changes? You might get better at three spots. I mean, you wouldn't get better at right guard, but you might not drop off huge at right guard, better at center, better at left tackle, especially for the long term. Now, 
some things with this run game that make me crazy. First off, you guys know I'm a big Fryermuth fan, believer, just wrote about how to get him, you know, get him more involved, and they did good. But what they're at, he's a very below average to average tight end blocker. I mean, there aren't many good blocking tight ends in the league anymore, especially guys that catch passes and actually help in the passing game. I mean, it's really a dying breed. So he's not unique here. But they keep asking him to block real dudes, you know, like four, three DNs and TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith types. Like the scheme is making me crazy with Fryermuth. Like you're just asking him to do things he can't do. And a lot of it's because they're so condensed on offense. They have a lot of people near the ball. So he's blocking big people, you know, real rundown defenders. And it brings me to the other thing, too, is there can't be a run game in the league that comes to the line of scrimmage with six blockers, seven blockers, and has more unblocked defenders pre-snap. You know, like running into loaded boxes, which everyone's doing, of course, is loading the box, but they're doing it down two blockers. Like if you just do the math, you're almost always, I mean... People will tell you the unblocked defender is the running back's job. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's football. You can't get everyone blocked. The the ball carrier, the quarterback aren't blocking anyone. They're basically always going to have some sort of numbers advantage against you. And that's accentuated by the way defenses are playing against the Steelers. But can't they get out of these plays when they come to the box and it's two unblocked defenders before the snap even comes that are two yards off the off the line of scrimmage. You know, so is that Canada? Sure seems like it, but are they also not letting Kenny get out of those things? I need to find more information about that because that's making me crazy. Um, all right. I'll be back to introduce you some broad strokes on Steelers Texans. All right, I'm back. As you probably know, last week in Jacksonville, Texans got their first first win. First win for their rookie quarterback in his career. First win for their rookie head coach, D'Amico Ryans. But how about this? You know, first-year head coaches were 1-9 coming into week three. But last week, they went 3-2, and two, including Ryans' win. And all three victories were over playoff teams from last season. First time, ho- co- first time head coaches, D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, and Jonathan Gannon are now four and five combined, while second time head coaches, Sean Payton in Denver, Frank Reich with Carolina, are a combined zero and six. So the real rooks have done pretty well. Last week, Houston won the EPA battle on all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. In the 341 games this this franchise has played, Houston has only pulled that off 19 times. It's pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, come on. You, know, you got to win some. I mean, winning the EPA battle in all three phases is uncommon, but it's not insane. In terms of EPA per play, CJ Stroud's 0.47 and Kenny Pickett's 0.35 were sixth and seventh best 
respectively, amongst all quarterbacks in week three, just behind Brock Purdy and just ahead of Josh Allen. Both guys played well. Only the Dolphins, Chargers, Vikings, and Chiefs have more yards after the catch this season than Houston and Pittsburgh. So that was four teams. Houston's fifth and and the Steelers are sixth in terms of yards after the catch. 57% of the Steelers' passing yards have come after the catch. That's the third highest percentage in the league. So that's something that's gotten better without question. A couple that's a little fluky, big plays to Pickens, et cetera. But still, they're getting yards after the catch, and they have not for a while. On a per-game basis, the Texans are producing 47.7 yards through the air than they allow. They're giving up, conceding 47.7 yards. I've missaid that. Okay, here we go. The the Texans are producing 47.7 more yards than they're giving up. But the, in the same respect, they're getting outrushed by 47.3 yards from their opponents. Only three defenses have a higher average depth of target against them than Pittsburgh's defense. Meanwhile, Houston's defense has the second lowest average depth of target in the league. So people are throwing deep against the Steelers. They're throwing shallow against the, the Texans in a big way. Through three games, the Steelers have been outscored by 14 points. Houston's been outscored by seven. Houston runs the seventh most plays per game, 69. The Steelers run 58 plays per game, which is 27th most. However, Pittsburgh's opponents are running 71 plays per game, and the Texans' opponents are running 61. In terms of run-pass ratio, the Steelers are passing the ball at the NFL's fifth highest rate, and Houston is at the seventh highest rate. 79% of Pittsburgh's rushing yards have come after first contact, which is exactly what I was talking about to start the show. For Houston's offense, that number's at 76. That's the highest and third highest percentage in the league of rushing yards coming after first contact. Only the Bills' defense is giving up a higher percentage of their run yardage after first contact than the Steelers, though. A couple of those are the huge big runs, you know, of course, but that was better against the Raiders. Houston is recording a sack on just 3.6% of opposing dropbacks. Only three defenses are worse. Pittsburgh is recording a sack on 9.8% of opposing dropbacks. Only the Bills and Cowboys are better. So there you have it. Um, I will be back tomorrow. Everyone have a swell day. Over and out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.